Hello there, you're listening to the Park Rush Podcast. This is a Thing Park Podcast. I'm Tom. Joining me, as ever, is Josh. Buongiorno. Ah, ça va? Um, I, well, I, we uh, see. Uh, I, I was speaking Italian. Ah, uh, uh, pizza, pasta, Uh pizza Um, me. Tom's views don't represent the views of the Park Rush podcast. That's all I've got. That's all I've got. Uh, (laughs) Sorry. Sorry to all our Italian listeners. I'm not sorry, actually. You robbed me of what could have been one of the happiest nights of my life. You can go screw yourselves. Yeah. Parmesan. Anyway, Josh, how are you? You you ruined the fact that all the rioting might have been worth it. And we could have kidded ourselves into thinking we were less of a racist country than we actually are, you bastards. Yeah. You could have delayed the racist abuse those poor guys were going to receive by a couple of months, you know. Maybe ruined. next time. Ruined it, absolutely. Yeah, other than that, I'm good, Tom. Yeah, thanks. Uh, how are you doing? Uh. Not too bad, not too bad. I'm officially free today as of recording. It's my, it's my freedom day, oh. which is very, very exciting. I kind of wished that uh, Jeff Goldblum was on uh, uh, Cameo, you know, that weird website where you can get celebrities to record messages so that I could have him tell me that it was my independent day. Oh, but that would unfor- be so good. Unfortunately, he does not seem to be on there. Oh, I'm sure now, Nigel Farage would have done it for me, though. Yes. He, oh, they're, they're do, corkers. They are absolute corkers. He'll, he'll probably come on the podcast for a fiver, you know. Yeah. Get him, well, get, you know, he used to be a Kent, uh, he's Kent-based. We could have him on, get the uh, political view on the London resort. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, I'm, I'd, get, I'd I'll be up for that. Nige, Nige, just trying to, just let's not talk about immigration for just a second. Thing parks, Nige. The what London do, resort. What do you, what do you make resort, of it? Uh, he'd probably just go off on a rant about how uh, Epcot showcases too much of the diversity of the world for his liking. Yeah, it should be more... Just... Uh, Britain is an outcast in the Epcot uh, set of pavilions. It should be front and centre. Yes, absolutely. Like the great nation it is. Mm, indeed. Anyway, uh, we are remote again, as you can no doubt tell, uh, listeners. We are... We are close, actually, to our rescheduled Space Jam 2 showing. Oh, boy. And um, so, yeah, but we are recording remotely. I'm cat-sitting, and I I felt bad about, you know, potentially leaving my cat tonight for hours and hours if I'd gone to the studio and then gone straight to the cinema. Could have been gone for quite a long time. And the poor guy's been a bit sick this week, so send all your thoughts and prayers, please, to Theo the Cat. But other than that, I'm I'm good, and hopefully the uh, audio quality is pristine as it can be, and uh, maybe we'll be back in the studio next week. But we've got some stuff to talk about. I, I've spent my day not just psyching myself for, for psyching myself up for Space Jam Two by <laughs> watching Space Jam One, which uh, I'd Great. I'd forgotten most of Space Jam One. It turns out, I don't know how long ago you last watched it, Josh. Uh, it's been a long time. I would have to say my favourite part of that film is probably Bill Murray. Oh, I thought you were going to say Lola Bunny's sweet, sweet, sweet bottom. <laughs> no, because I'm not a pervert. <laughs> well, you know, I can't I'm, help I'm myself. I'm far more of a Jessica Rabbit kind of guy. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, who Who isn't, I suppose? What, what, is yes. it with, uh, what is it with Disney and... 
and and hot bunnies, you know. Oh, I guess I guess Lola Bunny is not a Disney thing, but okay. What is it with the, what is it about animated also, rabbit people? And also, Jessica uh, Rabbit is not a rabbit. No, but clearly the the rabbit connotations are there. There's something about there's something going on in the yeah. Hollywood animation industry. There's clearly too many people working in there that are horny for rabbits. You know, <laughs> you're, I, I've you're seen, saying that there's too many higher ups in the movie industry that are a bit perverted. Yes, I absolutely well, I, am. I, I don't I believe absolutely you. Tom. Am saying, I absolutely am making that bold claim right here, right now. But you think about obviously, yeah, Jessica Rabbit, uh, Lola Bunny. I've seen some people, and I think this speaks volumes, frankly, about the type of people I follow on Twitter, who who seem to quite like uh, Judy Hopps from Zootopia. Oh yeah. <laughs> That that so, is a that is a thing on the internet. Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, I don't doubt it. <laughs> rule thirty four is it? Um, what what's rule thirty four? Don't type bunny rabbit into Pornhub. Is that... <laughs> no, rule thirty four is the um, something like if it, if something exists, there's probably porn for it. Oh, I see. Or some, right. something along those lines. Oh yeah. God, fine. Well, on that topic, let's move on. Uh, Joe Biden. <laughs> <laughs> has joined the Hall of Presidents. A big moment, of course, oh. in any new presidential term is when the new incumbent of the White House joins the Hall of Presidents. Some say that that is ultimately why people decide to run for president is because they want to become a Disney audio animatronic. Now, I haven't put this to Joe. I have sent an email to the White House press office to inquire, try to get him on, you know, just to talk to him about the process of getting involved and becoming a, a, immortalised as a, as a Disney as a Disney robot. But no, nothing back from him just yet, unfortunately. Uh, we've we've got a few pictures. We've got a bit of you know PR spiel, as you'd expect. I believe he is officially going to be unveiled when the attraction reopens in August. But based on what we've seen of uh, Robo Joe, Josh, you're not particularly impressed. No, I mean, I, I think he still looks better than Robo Trump. Uh, yes, I would, I would say so. Robo Trump looked like he'd escaped from the Men in Black ride. Yes, yeah. I would, I would say they that... Should put him. <laughs> I should turf him out of the Hall of Presidents, you know. I mean, he did try and start an insurrection after all. Yes, Maybe they should true. move him out. Put him in the Men in Black ride, stick a target on his head. I think Robo Biden uh, probably looks better than real life Trump, to be honest. Probably. But... He's also probably more mobile than real life Biden. It's true, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think he'll be falling downstairs anytime soon. <laughs> but yeah, it's a bit it's a bit sketch, isn't it? Like, I don't know. I, I'm not sure it's helped. I think the still they've released looks like he's possibly mid-speech, which maybe doesn't do him any favours his face looks a bit contorted in a slightly mm. strange way he looks but... a bit like uh that he's been modeled on jim carrey's saturday night live <laughs> appearance where he pretends where he <laughs> plays joe biden maybe maybe he is i haven't seen jim carrey in a film for quite a while maybe he's gone full-time <laughs> disney he's entertainer there, yeah. jim carrey's there uh what's his name is in parts of the caribbean full-time now I, I want to know. I mean, my I must this my ability to recognise old presidents is limited, and I don't know if you can help me here. But in this still, which I assume it's the same still that you might have to hand of Joe, who's that yeah. Obi Wan Kenobi looking bastard in the bottom left? Um, 
Oh, I do know who that is as well. Uh, who is that? <laughs> oh, it's, God. It's that's Ewan McGregor. Yeah, it's Ewan McGregor. It's yeah. actually Qui-Gon Jinn. Uh, that's the thing that... Uh, the guy in the top right looks like Sam Eagle. You know they should put Sam Eagle in it. I, I'll but, be a well yeah. up for that. He does look a bit like Sam Eagle. He's got the nose for it. Yeah, and the eyebrows. Yeah. Uh, the guy, just the furrowed brow. The guy over Biden's right shoulder, our, the left as we look at him, looks yeah. like... Yeah, yeah. Is it Seth Myers? The, oh, uh, I th- I, <laughs> talk show host? Oh, wait, sorry, on his right shoulder. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, you're yeah. right. He does. Because on his, on his left shoulder... I, I thought I thought about it like Argus Filch. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, uh, okay. I mean, we may as well do the final one now because we've done everyone else. So we've got he, he looks a Sa- bit like... Sam Eagle, Argus Filch. Uh, who was he, it? Seth a, Myers. He's across the scene, Argus Filch. And have you seen the Thunderbirds Argo film, the, like the live-action Thunderbirds film? <laughs> no. He, look, he, he looks like the guy who plays Parker in that, uh, who is... Uh, He's in oh. Hot Fuzz. He's the guy that he's like the rich guy that has a really expensive house mansion. Oh, the the guy who owns Safeway. Yeah, yeah, that's Timothy Dalton. No, 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 not Timothy Dalton. No, no, no. He's not the oh. rich guy. It's um, oh, sorry, um, the property magnate. I can't remember his name. Uh, I can't. I can't picture him. He's the, the one that they head. they he gets really drunk and they drag him back to his house. And then he supposedly died while trying to put, cook some beans and his whole house explodes. Right. Okay. Um. Well, clearly, if you haven't seen this picture at home, do look for it. I mean, it's the only one I, that I can see that Disney have released of Robo Joe. Uh, but just for the benefit of the doubt, we'll put it in the show notes as well at newhighscore.co.uk. But like I say, we've, we've, now, we've now suggested who all of these Robo presidents actually look like other than... The one above Obi Wan Kenobi and next to Seth Myers. Who do you think that looks like? Uh, he's he's a bit um, like Doctor Who, um... <laughs> or like blonde Peter Capaldi. Yeah, like blonde Peter Capaldi. Yeah, I can I can see that. I can see that. Sure, sure, we'll go with that. Or or maybe uh, this is maybe a bit niche for our American listeners, but uh, Alistair Campbell. Uh yeah, I can see some Alistair Campbell. Blonde in Alistair there. Campbell, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, Peter Capaldi played a Alistair Campbell like character, right? In the thick of it. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. And then the hair—that I mean—that's basically me when I wake up. So <laughs> the hair is very if you, if you, um, Doc Brown, isn't if, it? If you need to, yeah. If you need to picture who this looks like, it's me uh, when I've just woken up and and I've aged into uh, Malcolm Tucker from the thick of it. <laughs> so there we are. That yeah. is our incredibly riveting and nuanced analysis of Robo Joe. Ron... It's coming to the Hall of Presidents next month. Ron Cook is the guy that I was trying to think of. Ron Cook? Yeah. Oh, oh from uh, Hot Fuzz. From Hot Fuzz. He plays uh, George oh, okay. Merchant. Obviously, Argus Filch is also in Hot Fuzz. So uh... Yes, he is. This is all very strange. And, yeah, you know, my I, I regularly have to defend myself from my dad, who doesn't think I'm well read enough on on history. Uh, and to be honest, if he listened to this, uh, I, I'm playing right into his hands here by admitting that I can't recognise most of these presidents. However, have managed to compare them to a Muppet, a Harry Potter character, a late night chat show host, and a Jedi. Yes. 
And Although, an amalgamation and, of myself and a Doctor Who. Yes. Or, te- uh, you know, um, a political spinster, I guess you could call it, or a sp- uh, spin doctor, not a spinster. They're two different things. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, there you go. But historically, almost historically, political spin doctor. Close spin enough. doctor. Sp- spin doctor who, you could say. Spin I, doctor who. I, oh. I, 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 we're going to get on to Behind the Attraction, which is the new Disney Plus theme park show, which we have watched a few episodes of. Uh, They are, of course, going to do an episode about the Hall of Presidents. I do wonder if we will get some behind the scenes of the the making of the Joe animatronic and maybe even Joe recording the speech for this, which he does, all the presidents do do. They do record a speech for, well, not all the presidents, for the the contemporary ones. It's a bit (laughs) difficult to get old Lincoln and that these days. Yeah, dug him up. Yeah, but the rest of them, you know, the contemporary presidents do record for the show. I actually think the contemporary presidents look worse than a lot of the older presidents in the uh, lineup. I don't know if it's yeah. just because they are still alive and you see them more often in different situations that, you know, seeing them then as a relatively immobile robot is a bit weird, whereas obviously someone like Lincoln you've only ever seen in a still photo, really. So seeing him as an animatronic is a bit is much closer to how you have only ever seen him. That's probably yes. why. But, Very uh, true. Yeah, before we get on to Behind the Attraction, uh, Hall of Presidents, uh, Disney, the reason they showed, I think, Joe off was, one, to nudge towards the uh, Behind the Attraction episode, but also as part of their lineup of things that are uh, reopening in the coming weeks and months as they gear up for the 50th anniversary at Disney World on October 1st, when, of course, we finally get Ratatouille at Epcot being the, uh, the big new attraction for then. But uh, yeah, Hall of Presidents reopening next month. So is the wonderful world of animation at Disney's Hollywood Studios. Uh, So is Monsters, Inc. Laugh Floor at Magic Kingdom. Beauty and the Beast live on stage at Hollywood Studios. And Turtle Talk with Crush at Epcot. uh, Would you have have expected any of those to maybe not come back? Are you surprised that they have all survived the pandemic? I guess not at this point. Like... I don't know. They're all for me uh, more or less forgettable, but they've got to put seat. They've got to fill spaces, right? They can't have it looking too busy, even though it's going to be really busy coming up with uh, the anniversary in Disney World. Um, obviously, so it doesn't really surprise me at all. Mm. We've got, to, we've got to get more rides open, you know. There is some stuff that still hasn't reopened. The Enchanted Tales, with, and, and I think the running theme with a lot of these, maybe even all of them actually, are that they had guest participation. So yes, that that would, you know, it's, it's obvious why these haven't come back yet. But in the case of a few of them, I really do hope they do come back. They are the Enchanted Tales with Belle, which is that thing at, at New Fantasyland, right, that always has an enormous weight. So yeah. that's, uh, that's not back yet. At the Festival of Fantasy Parade, also at Magic Kingdom, that's not back yet. At Hollywood Studios, there's no sign, I'm sorry to say, Josh, of the Disney Junior Dance Party. Oh, no. That's my favourite. Nor is the Voyage of the Little Mermaid, which I, I normally quite enjoy, so hopefully that comes back. And that does not have any guest parties. That is just an indoor show. So I'm not quite sure why that's not back yet. Uh, and the Indiana Jones Epic Stunt Spectacular, which I still love and very much hope comes back. Uh, and Fantasmic as well hasn't restarted either, which is uh, considered by many to be the best nighttime show at the uh, Walt Disney World. So hopefully that Sunny comes back me. too. 
that is my number one show, uh, even though I've only done it once because uh, <sighs> people we had booked the Magic it. Kingdom one. Nonsense. We had booked it for our 2020 trip for my sister's birthday and obviously was curtailed. Alas. Alas. Yeah, we'd book the, the nice seats, you know, and you get some food oh, and stuff. Mm. Beautiful. Yeah, would have been good, would have been good. But yeah, hopefully they come back. Have, have you ever done any audience participation in Disney World? I know you've done you've done the uh, the matchmaking on in Hollywood yeah. Studios. There's a legendary clip of that. I don't know if that still exists anywhere or if uh, we can dig it out to go in the show notes at some point. People, I, people I deserve to see it. I have it. Uh, that will I, I imagine I'll, I will put that up again some point. Maybe I'll uh, twenty twenty one. I'll kind of miss the boat. Really, should have put it up this year. It would have been the uh, ten year anniversary. Oh my god, is it really ten years? I remember watching yeah. that when it went up. Yeah, right. <laughs> I remember uh, watching those vlogs. There was. I remember. I remember your vlog from the airport at Gatwick. Uh, not yeah. the airport. The hotel at Gatwick. Yeah. I remember the vlog of your dad dancing in the shoe shop. That's I remember classic. the vlog. I remember the matchmaking at, at Hollywood Studios. I remember the mini golf. I, I I felt like I was there, Josh, which is a sign of a good vlog. Yeah, I, I think so. I I did have a lot of fun doing that. Uh, got me out of my comfort zone because uh, recording in public is really. I still find it bizarre, even though everyone's doing it these days. Um, well, exactly. You were ahead of the game. I was. Uh, it was it was super bizarre then. I even did it. I did it at Alton Towers as well later that year, which was also very bizarre. That was even more bizarre because it was super unheard of in the UK to do it. So um, mm. yeah, you should get back on it. Let's start a park crush TikTok of and just make it a vlog platform. Yes. Yeah. Maybe all um, the kids are doing it. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I haven't had uh, any interaction stuff my dad was on who wants to be a millionaire back in the day yes i think i remember i think you might have told this story on the yes. podcast before but for the benefit of those who may not remember was it was there any did he win i suppose is the key question uh, no he got up to 32 or sixty-four thousand dollars. Ah, oh. he did someone did come up to him after the after the fact and ask for his autograph so someone had my dad's <laughs> autograph did he notice a large American. amount of money leave his bank account not long after that exchange? <laughs> no, no, no. Luckily not. But uh, yeah, it's like the guy thought he was, I don't know, like a like he was actually on TV. <laughs> My dad was never on TV, obviously. It wasn't, that's not how this thing worked. But uh, no, I just love yeah. the idea of uh, someone, someone in that guy 20 years from now flicking through his Disney World autograph book and he's got Mickey Mouse, Darth Vader. <laughs> Ariel and your dad. Yeah. <laughs> and then Eeyore. <laughs> just keeps going. <laughs> so it's just bizarre, uh, but there we go. What's your dream theme park stage show to get involved with? Would, would it be Indiana Jones by any chance? Would you like to be the one who punches the stuntman? I think Indiana Jones is up there, right? It's mm, or, be. or Fear Factor Live. Those are probably the most exciting ones. Uh, I never really cared for Fear Factor Live. Um I like the show that was on in that stage before Fear Factor, which was like a Wild West themed uh, stunt oh, show. Oh, okay. I'm not sure I ever saw that one. Oh, okay. Yeah, I I, I have very faint memories of it, but uh, yeah, I did enjoy that. I, I I was super awkward during the obviously the matchmaking thing. I think uh, if I got another chance, I'd have to go all out on that. Um, <laughs> Would you ask them out? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, yeah, one of you lovelies wouldn't fancy. Uh, Bit of pizza Uno after this, would you? Or 
<laughs> Some Outback Steakhouse, perhaps. Yeah. Pizza Rizzo's around the corner. What's your, fa- what's your thinking? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I'd watch that vlog 100%. <laughs> I, oh, I'm, I'm a long-time fan. The 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 sequel we we deserve we deserve a sequel. Ten years later, that's the thing. It's a it's a tough one because you have to be in the right spot to get picked. It's uh, mm. and a lot of that maybe stuff it was has a, gone away now. So maybe it was a once in a lifetime thing. Yeah, a lot of the like the street shows have gone from that area of the park, unfortunately. Yeah. So I'm not sure whether that one still exists or not. But no, I must admit I don't know either. Uh, maybe I'll I'll pull it out for the. Uh, the uh, belated, the COVID delayed 10th year anniversary. I'll, I'll still call it the 10th year anniversary, even though it's the 11th year anniversary. <laughs> like, Euro, like Euro 2020 in the Olympics. Yeah, Euro 20 in the Olympics, yeah. Okay, uh, well, just a quick a quick hit of news and then some quick correspondence, and then we'll get into the meat of the show, which is behind the attraction. Uh, Disney Cruise Line is back in Florida from next month, which is oh, yeah. uh, big news for the uh, cruising industry in the US. I know there's been a lot of frustration around the CDC's guidelines around cruises, but they will be back next month. I, I guess they've been going... I guess they've started at this point from the UK, the Disney Cruises, which were the first Disney Cruises to resume after... or not. Yeah. It's probably not after pandemic. We are kind of still in it, but... Yeah, since the pandemic began, the first Disney cruises were out of the UK, <laughs> and they are ongoing, I believe. But I don't know how well, they are. How, we now in like uh, are we now in like one CP since or uh, SP since pandemic? <laughs> one SP since pandemic. I guess so. Yeah. Or is it? Cool. Or is it? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. It was declared a pandemic in early 2020. I, yes, I guess yes. so. Yeah. I, I'm living in the future now. Gone mm. away from the uh, from those AD years or, or the BC years. The, or the BC we've never years. been out of BC. We were before Christ, and then we were before COVID. Yes, that's it. The two C's: yeah. Christ and COVID. <laughs> what year were you born? Twenty one, twenty seven BC. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, so yeah, that's big news. Uh, and then we've got uh, some more Halloween mazes announced for Halloween Horror Nights uh, in Hollywood this time. We talked about some of the Florida ones last week. So for Hollywood, we're getting the Exorcist and the Curse of Pandora's Box. The latter being uh, one that has uh, come back, or no, the latter one being an original from Orlando previously. The Exorcist is obviously inspired by The Exorcist, which is also a returning maze. So two old favourites coming back for that. And then in the UK, and when I first saw this, I assumed this was another universal thing, but it turns out it's in the UK. Harry Potter, A Forbidden Forest Experience, opens October 16th and will run nightly through the woods on the grounds of Arley Hall and Gardens in Cheshire uh, up to Halloween. So That's cool. That's cool. They're saying it will be about 45 minutes through a recreated Forbidden Forest. Oh, wow. Uh, And... uh, yeah, it sounds pretty cool. They're promising encounters with nifflers, centaurs, unicorns, a hippogriff, and other magical creatures. Visitors will learn to cast spells along the way, including a Patronus. Uh, and it's being developed by Thinkwell Group, which are an LA-based company. And they're working on it, obviously, with Warner Brothers. So, And they work together on the studio tour just outside London, which is very, very good. And, and I would like to do, again, in a... Uh, 
in a uh, PC world. Is that is that what we said? A P, a P, oh God! Oh my God! Uh, I, I don't I don't believe what I've just done. A PC world. This is where we're at. We're in a PC we're world in now. The world. Post- <laughs> PC world. Post COVID world. This is what we've become. PC world doesn't exist anymore, does it? It's, uh, it's, Curry's, it's Curry's PC world. Curry's PC world. Yeah. Yeah. We're in the world PC world. Dear oh dear oh dear. Okay, well, yeah, this sounds cool though. I'd I'd be up for doing this. I, I'd go that way for a forty-five minute walk. <laughs> I'm bored of walking um, around Dartford. Oh god, yes, I absolutely am. I've walked yeah. enough around Dartford for for a lifetime over the last year and a bit. No yeah, more. Now people thanks. are getting stabbed as well. I'm out. Yes, absolutely. Welcome to Dartford. Okay. I'm sorry, Before we move from the pub. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really uh, stick, niche reference that no one's going to get. Stick that on your TikTok. Yeah. Uh, before we get to Behind the Attraction, uh, a quick shot of that sweet, sweet correspondence in general music, please. Some correspondence in general this week comes via Pastor John. He sent us uh, another one of his excellent guides at touringplans.com. How to handle motion sickness at Universal Orlando. Plenty of rides that could spark that among people who are prone to suffering from it, uh, I would suggest. So well worth the read if you're in that camp. Yeah. But I think more interestingly uh, to us, based on our podcast last week, uh, uh, some further insight on the price of the... Uh, are they express passes? Yes. At islands of adventure josh take it away yeah so last week we were talking about the express passes uh, in relation to the new paid for fast passes coming into disney world or to disney in general uh, disneyland paris right and then potentially into uh, the other parks and i brought in a comparison against the universal express passes and uh other express pass types fast track types uh, around the world uh, I said kind of naively that express passes are seventy to uh, ninety dollars plus tax. Um, I missed one key word there uh, when I was reading, and that is the f- word "from." Right. Uh, so from seventy bucks and from ninety dollars. In fact, as John rightly points out, um, when he says. What day are we finding limited one park express at Islanders Adventure for only $70? Those have been costing $200 lately. Even during slow season, it's $100. By the way, they've been commonly selling out. Um, I I did a double take when I first read that from John and I had to look it up. And uh, yeah, he's right. So uh, we are recording this on Friday the 23rd. Uh, And if you want an express pass for today, it is $210. (laughs) Uh, if you My want word. it, if you want an express pass for Monday the twenty sixth, when this podcast goes out, it's two hundred and twenty dollars. That is not including tax, and that is per person per day, on top of the day ticket you already have to buy to get entrance to the park. It's mad, isn't it? Who who's buying these? Idiots, suckers, I, suckers, and yeah. idiots. Yeah, I. Blimey, hell! I can't fathom. How possibly beggars relief? It certainly you're does. Paying, basically paying a gra- if a family of four, you're basically paying a grand a day. Y- yeah, J- just so, to skip the lines. Just to skip the lines. 
and no one goes to these parks on a day trip, do they? And, and you know, I'd imagine most locals who really like the parks probably have some sort of residence ticket at this point, or you know, yeah. or go regularly enough that some sort of multi-day pass thing is is worth having. And then I think if you're going on holiday, you're, you've probably also got multi-day passes because you absolutely need multiple days to uh, see those two parks. And obviously, if you do Volcano Bay as well, and uh, you're going to need at least three days and probably more, unless, of course, yes. you're paying for these stupid passes, in which case you can do everything in a day, probably. But <laughs> it's just uh, yeah. uh, uh, it's madness. I, I wonder I how many they sell per day. Probably a depressing amount. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. I guess it brings, you, brings us back to uh, what I said last week, that I think it's mainly a way of, you know, bumping up the value of the hotels without adding anything particularly mm. uh of cost to the to the uh yeah. to to the hotel um you know because yeah, if sense. you're if you're saving uh less if you you know if you're staying there for two weeks you're basically saving uh family four you're basically saving 14 grand not for me not for me speaking of long queues and just before we move on i've just noticed that friend of the show Adrian from Think Park Express has just tweeted a picture. He's in New York at the moment, it seems, and he has just entered a virtual queue. Yes, a virtual queue for a shop, a Harry Potter store in New York. Virtual queue. Guess how long? Guess how long the estimated wait is for him in his virtual queue to go in a shop? Uh, oh, it's going to be. Oh, it's going to be depressingly long, isn't it? Um, <laughs> two and a half hours. Uh, no, that would that would mean that he could only watch one Harry Potter film in that time. Josh, I reckon he could oh, sneak no. in two. Oh, he could no. sneak in two. I reckon those first two films, probably two hours each, right? Four hours, four hour wait. Oh. Yeah. Ouch. Absolutely insane. Ouch. Uh, um. Whether you can pay your way past it, I don't know. I'm sure that I'm sure they would happily oblige if you turned up at the door and said, mate, here's $300. Yeah, um, come you, in, sir. There are very long queues in Disney Springs for like the ganachery that's in there. I think uh, they they often have very long queues. I think it's I think it's a ganachery. Huh. It might be one of the other dessert places. There's a few of them. And I get them all a bit mixed up. But they for this like cake shop basically or this chocolate shop, they have a a virtual queue there, uh, which can be get there in the morning and sorry, you have to wait until this afternoon. The only desserts I'm going in a virtual queue for are a tiramisu or an eaten mess, as as we said, <laughs> as I said last week. Yes, yeah, rightfully so. Which, what dessert would you virtual queue for? One dessert. Are, are, um, are there any that exist that justify a virtual queue in your view? I don't think so. No, um, I I'm a big fan of dessert, but I think I would sack off dessert. I'd go somewhere else. Mm. Fair, you know, fair you know where there's where there'll never be a virtual queue. A Ben and Jerry's ice cream parlour. That'll do it for the correspondence. Here's that jingle once again. To correspond with us, you can do so. Tweet at Parkrush Podcast or email podcast at parkrush.com. Now let's move on to Behind the Attraction. This is the new Disney Plus series, an episode per, uh, or an, an attraction per episode where they take you through kind of the history and and some behind the scenes of uh, some of the most famous attractions in the Disney parks around the world. 
Uh, there are five episodes available as of recording. I've watched four of them. Josh has watched three of them. Three of them, yeah. So we'll, t- we'll talk a little bit about them. We'll, we won't go too long because we do have to psych ourselves up for Space Jam 2. Oh, boy. Uh, and get moving towards that pretty soon here. But first of all, Josh, pretty cool intro, I would say. Uh, it's uh, up yes. there. You know, the Imagineering story had a good intro and a good jingle, a good theme. Uh, this also does, I, I would say, nice artwork. Yeah, I, I would say this is probably some of the best I've seen on the on any Disney Plus show. Uh, and what did you have in your sweepstake for how long it would take for them to show an ad for the Jungle Cruise movie? Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, I not short enough. I'll go. I'll go with that. Uh, <laughs> they got it in there pretty quick. Yeah, oh boy, that that first episode is uh, half about the, the ride and half about the film that comes out next week yeah well, th- well this week as the episode goes out uh, will only be about oh, four yeah, or five days so. away from jungle cruise the movie hitting cinemas and disney plus on premiere access uh, so yeah that first episode is about jungle cruise and uh, i enjoyed it actually as someone who wasn't like super familiar with the history of jungle cruise it was interesting to hear about kind of Walt's vision, original vision for it and why he considered it an important rise. They talked about things like how people didn't do as much travelling back then, so the opportunity to see these kinds of far-flung parts of the world were kind of... Uh, you were kind of restricted to things that you could do in your own country and maybe even in your own state. Um, and yeah. so that's, you know, Jungle Cruise and the way in which it aims to give you a sort of sampling of various different countries that are obviously all very different from what people in California would have been used to. Um, That was interesting. And then I also didn't know uh, that they had originally wished to use real-life animals instead of animatronics, Yes, uh, which I love the ambition there. Uh, Yeah, so I I already knew a little bit about it because of my uh, Keys to the Kingdom tour that I went on back in... 2018 um which was good very good fun which was a behind the scenes tour uh about the theme parks uh, uh specifically about magic kingdom at the time um but obviously it's got a lot of the same rides as in disneyland so it has jungle cruise um but yeah i thought it was really uh good interesting uh the stuff about the trees i thought was really interesting uh as a bit of a just nerd my <laughs> my parents I, I watched it with my parents they found it really fascinating as well I was I, I had the thought in my mind when they were talking about the reason for building this particular ride and, and almost wanting to have it be a kind of educational experience. And actually, uh, they talked a little bit about how it was quite dry to start with. Uh, yeah. Dry for a boat ride anyway. Oui. And obviously, they injected more humour into it eventually. And now, when you think of the Jungle Cruise it's the humour and the puns that probably come to mind first, but it was very different when it first opened. But I, I really liked the, the, or really admired the vision behind it being a more educational sort of thing. And I just wondered, it crossed my mind, man, would Disney ever greenlight a ride where that was the MO any, like these days? If, if an Imagineer went up to Josh Damara or whatever and said, oh, I've had this <laughs> idea for a ride which I think would be a fantastic opportunity to educate the guests about X. And before he'd even be able to finish, he or she would even be able to finish 
Josh would probably have been like, whoa, 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 what did you say? Educate? Get the hell out of my office. <laughs> well, that's very much what... Find a way to put um, a Jedi in here or a superhero or I'm not interested. God, yeah. I guess the last chance, really, of any of that sort of stuff was Animal Kingdom, really. Mm. Um, you know, um, the, the Safari and the River Rapids are both were both designed to be educational. I think they've lost a fair bit of that along the way. Around the, the kind of serious topics, at least, um, obviously the, the Kilimanjaro Safari is a lot more knowledgeable about the animals, but not necessarily about the poaching side. Um, and I feel like the Congo River Rapids is just about having some fun these days rather than about deforestation so much. Yeah, maybe it just falls to other theme parks to try and do a bit more of that. I think SeaWorld have lent into that quite a lot over the last few years as they've tried to sort of rebuild their public image after black in a, in a post blackfish world uh pbf uh, they've obviously tried to yeah rebuild their image as as being somewhere that does care about the environment and marine life and and whatnot yeah. and i think that river rapids ride that opened there a few years ago kind of uh, the the story if you like surrounding that is has got an eye on climate change and the impact that humans have on the natural world and that kind of thing and there's some messaging around it about plastic pollution and that kind of thing and that's the kind of stuff that yeah you just don't really get at disney anymore to be honest like if disney open a new ride it's probably because they have acquired a cool new ip or they have made a really successful film in the last five ten years that they didn't expect to be as massive a hit as it was and it turns out to be something that they want to put in the theme parks such as frozen yes and that that's kind of that that's what guides them and that is obviously what they feel like brings the guests in and and the crowds that flock to galaxy's edge and and whatnot i i guess a testament to that philosophy but it is a it is a shame that there doesn't seem to be as much room for the, the thinking that led to a ride like Jungle Cruise. Obviously, they, they, they insist multiple times in this episode that Jungle Cruise will never go away. It's going to be, you know, you can't have Disney without Jungle Cruise because I, I don't doubt that there's probably been uh, a slide on a PowerPoint sometime in the history of Disney uh, where cost-cutting Jungle Cruise in some way uh, was something that people thought about because I'd imagine it's one of the more expensive rides to run given the maintenance that will be required on all those animatronics, the fact that you need live actors on every boat. Yeah. How can we replace the skippers with C-3PO? <laughs> yes. Yes. Put C-3PO on everything. He is, mm. He's going to let you on the lift in the Tower of Terror. He's going to drive your Jungle Cruise boat. Oh, that's my worst nightmare. I thought it was cute how they talked about how skippers from different jungle cruise rides around the world sometimes have get-togethers. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was really cool. It was interesting to see. I really want, I want to go Hong Kong, man. That park looks I mad. I know. The park looks great, but it's a yeah. police state. <laughs> yeah. Jungle cruise ride, the Mystic Manor. Oh, uh, you know, hold your nose, figuratively and literally, because there's probably tear gas all over the gaff. Uh, and maybe I'll be able to enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. But, you know, there are other versions of Disney rides that I love that I'd like to do in parks that I would consider safer places to go 
or, or in countries yeah. that I would consider safer places to go uh, that I am yet to do. So I, Hong Kong is not at the top of my priority list as far as international Disney parks go. No. Um, I did. I, uh, I very much appreciated the, uh, the the way they made it sound controversial that Tokyo Disney was the first park to run the Jungle Cruise clockwise. <laughs> Whoa! Yeah. Oh my God! Because um, I drive on the much... side of the road. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Right? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, they do. <laughs> they drive on the same side as us, as the the us UK folks. Oh, okay. Oh, maybe that is yeah. the reason then. Yeah, maybe. Uh, it's very much that it's kind of tongue in cheek. It's very much um, kind of it's a gate. This is more of a gateway drug into the Imagineering story. Is is how I feel about this show. Right. Yeah. It, like, it felt it, a it felt a bit closer to something that you might have seen on any old like travel channel. Yeah. This is how you get the casuals involved, and then you and then you. Yeah. Uh, this is your uh, your gateway drug to the Imagineering story and, buy, and having a shelf of uh, books about <laughs> theme park rides and attractions. Yes, yes, for sure. I really like the Haunted Mansion episode, which is episode two. I yep. enjoyed learning about the, I guess, the friction between the, the Imagineers who saw it as more of a horror ride and the Imagineers who saw it more as a comedy ride and how Walt basically couldn't decide himself and so had almost assembled this group of Imagineers to work on the ride who who represented the opposing views. It was like uh, it was like the angel and the devil on his shoulder, you know, like make it a comedy, you know, make it a scary thing. Um, and it was sad, I guess, to hear how they were left eventually to come to the final vision for the ride themselves, because obviously Walt passed away before the ride was finished. Mm, yeah. But I found that all very interesting, the kind of friction that was there in the during the creative process and how they ended up finding the right balance between scares and laughs for the finished product. Yeah, absolutely. Um and I think they you know, they, they talk about it a lot, but I think they found the right balance and the right order, you know, doing the, the scary first and the comedy later brings you back up ready to uh be have fun back in the parks once again it's uh it's a good good fit i find and i think more than any other ride as well this is the one that deviates the most between the different parks and i i you know one of the big reasons why i want to do all the different disneylands is to do all the different haunted mansions really the only disappointment of the paris trip a few years ago was that the phantom manor was closed yeah it was cool to get it was cool to get a to get insight into why they designed the different mansions in the way that they did. In some cases, it was sort of forced upon them because of the culture, like in Hong Kong, where they have a very different interpretation of death and the afterlife. Yes. Yeah. But in Paris, it was more informed by just where they had space to put it in the park and the fact that they put it in Frontierland and so uh, made it feel like a bit more of an old American, uh, like, abandoned yeah like frontier manor rather than yeah. the more traditional stately looking home that you find in magic kingdom and disneyland i didn't realize it was a completely different story to the no. u.s parks really and the fun. nightmare before I, christmas overlay as well that they talked about which looks awesome yeah 
that um that is somewhat controversial some people love it some people loathe it um something that i really want to see i'm a massive fan of nightmare before christmas so oh yeah it's definitely, definitely something i want to experience hey josh yeah what's this what's this there's magic in the air what's this i don't know the rest <laughs> I was. I'm sure I, I, I thought. I, I thought. I thought. You know. Did you find yourself getting angry when they said that the queues get so long for the Nightmare Before Christmas overlay in Tokyo that we had to introduce fast passes at Christmas time because oh. the queues get up to four hours. That's not how this works. God damn it! <laughs> and I also. It also got me thinking about like what other rides have overlays to that extent for different seasons. I. I can't think of any. No, not not certainly not to that extent. They play some f- funky music at Thought Park during Halloween Fright Night. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's it. That's all. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't think I of it. There must be some. I don't know. Um, yeah. I don't know of any off the top of my head. No. No, I think for most theme parks, it manifests itself more in the environments themselves. Obviously, there's... Lots of Christmas fun to be had in Hogsmeade, but they don't change the rides in the same way that they do. I mean, maybe that's, you know, well, I think in something like Haunted Mansion, they almost treat it as decorating it for Christmas because there's so much, you know, physical stuff in there that they can just change up and and decorate. Whereas so many rides these days are screen-based. You know, you're really going to go and film something completely new just for the Christmas season uh, Probably yeah. not. Yeah. Um, but I did find, and I think this struck me most in this episode, I found that the uh, messaging was a little bit inconsistent on when it is they decide to change stuff. Uh, because they say they say uh, several times in the show that, oh, you know, as, as long as there's, they quote, the, they use the Walt Disney quote, which is something like, as long as there's imagination, uh, things will change or or the parks will never be finished or something like that as a way yep. of sort of excusing some of the changes they've made to rides over the years, some of the more controversial ones, such as retheming Tower of Terror to Guardians of the Galaxy. But then they also say a lot, oh, well, if it's a classic and it's great, why change it as a reason for why Jungle Cruise is the way that it is and will always be there and for why Haunted Mansion has been there for so long I find that they they basically change their view uh, to suit the narratives. Like, hang on a minute, why would you change a classic like Tower of Terror into Guardians of the Galaxy? Well, you know, as long as there's imagination left, the park will never be complete. Uh, How comes Jungle Cruise has been the same for like 50 years? Well, if it's nothing wrong with a classic, why would you change it? (laughs) Well, I think, Tom, I think the problem is, uh, and, you know, maybe there is a an imaginary out there listening uh but there isn't really a great way to change the theme of jungle cruise or haunted mansion uh into an ip that they own you're telling me that if there was they would do it yeah i as far as i'm aware there have been very serious talks about changing the haunted mansion or semi-serious talks at some level to changing the haunted mansion to be uh a nightmare before christmas 24 7 oh wow uh 365 Obviously, it's been uh, p- there's been a lot of pushback on that as well. Uh, I, I kind of agree. Like, I don't think that works all year round. So, yeah, it's it's tough to 
because it's they're both quite tough attractions to replace like Germany because mm. it's you know it's a large body of water and a very large structure so how how do you go about changing those um it's quite hard to change them thematically i think so that's why they're still there otherwise i think they would have been replaced by now yeah i would say so and then episode three, which is the last one that we've both seen, is is Star Tours. Oh. Uh, again, I, I enjoyed learning about the friction that existed during the sort of design process for the original Star Tours. You had some yep. people who were saying, oh, we need to recreate moments from the movies because that's what people want to do. And then you had people say, no, we've, you know, you've seen that before. This should be something new and something fresh. And we shouldn't just put the guests in the trench run of the Death Star, for example. And I guess what they ended up doing was kind of, again, kind of like Haunted Mansion, they kind of performed a balancing act. So, the, you know, the the, pre, like the setup is broadly new, and uh, but then you do end up in certain iconic moments from that you recognise from Star Wars. And obviously that has yeah. become... And that, that's with the original. Obviously it's become more obvious in the years since where you are literally flying through different movies at this point. Yeah, um, I think... Uh, there's a key thing in, in here where in the original they had to use film because they didn't have any other way of doing the video for it uh, and they got actual film people on to do, to help with the video stuff um, and they made a single storyline that works from start to finish and flows near seamlessly all the way through. It tells a story, you could say, um, which is almost like what themed rides should do. Uh, and then when they go, and then there's this weird part where they go, oh, we've got these new films coming up, and now we can do new stuff, but we haven't seen any of your films, so how do we do that? And it's like, well, just don't. Just wait until the films come out, see if they're any good. I, I, yeah. And then no, I, I, if, they're, if they're not good, don't bother. Yeah, I did enjoy, because that... That kind of happened twice, right? So yeah. when they were talking about because Star and this was again kind of speaks to gets to the heart of the slight contrast in approaches that they take to different rides in terms of oh you shouldn't change something that's great versus oh you know if you're not changing stuff you're not moving forward and from George Lucas's perspective the advantage of Star Tours from the get go was that because it was screen based you could change it in the years to come, you know, if yeah. there was an excuse to do it. And the first time they talk about this in the show is uh, when it became obvious that George Lucas was going to do the prequels. And uh, the Imagineers talked about seeing each new prequel and being like, oh, we could do a, we could change the ride so it's like the pod race in episode one, but maybe there'll be something better in episode two, so we'll wait. And then they <laughs> waited again. And, and I just liked... I, I feel like, you know, they were putting it as politely as they could, but the way I read it was the prequels were terrible. Yep. <laughs> we kept waiting for the next one in the hope that it might be decent, and it never was. <laughs> so we yeah. never changed the ride. Uh, there was a, there's another bit like that comes after that that I go, and now we've got this great new technology called, called video, and we could do... <laughs> what we could do is take three different videos. They're all the same length. And then we could just randomly connect them together. And what they're basically doing is going, what we had was a story, and then we decided to throw that all away and put three random clips together. 
Um, yeah. And that's very much how Star Tours feels to me nowadays. Mm. Yeah, a bit like a highlights reel more than a cohesive story. Yes. Yeah. I did enjoy the bit where uh, this was during the pre the first the prequel era where they were the, having the first discussions about how to update the ride and George Lucas was giving them certain suggestions and uh, some of them ended up being like really good and used like the one where someone in the ride is identified as a rebel spy. Uh, yes. That's really cool. And if you were that a cool. six-year-old kid and Darth Vader identified you as a rebel spy and you showed up on the screen, you'd be like, oh, my God. But then there were also ones that, like, George wanted uh, the guests to be sprayed with water. <laughs> <laughs> we had to be we like, went, oh, uh, that, George. Would, that, that would cause uh, the ride to rust. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I did enjoy uh, that. Um, I don't know if you've I, ever watched the. Uh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, I, I still, uh, I think with a lot of people, Rex is a far superior uh, guide through oh, that ride oh. than uh, C3PO. Oh, definitely, definitely. Put Rex. You know, if they're going to replace the skippers with anything, uh, I could get behind Rex. <laughs> Put Rex in there, yeah, yeah, just and move to- him along one. Yeah, Rex from Star Tours, not Rex from Toy Story. Although maybe they yes. could be a good uh, double act. Or, or maybe yeah. uh, just it, it varies, you know, and you don't, you never know which Rex you're going to get. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I can get behind that. That sounds great. Yeah. Uh, I was just going to say, I don't know if you've ever seen, like this this image they create of George Lucas in this thing of like just firing out weird suggestions <laughs> is very much the energy you get from him if you watch the behind the scenes of the prequels. It's just him walking into like different departments of Lucasfilm, like the prop shop or the art department or the special effects guys and just pointing at something and going, oh, what if we did this? And people kind of looking at him like, I just... Yeah, sure. I mean, you're George Lucas. I can't say no. That's a terrible (laughs) idea. (laughs) But okay. Yeah, Yeah, he's uh, he is the scientist in Jurassic Park, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, basically. And then I also enjoyed when they when they obviously what Star Tours ended up being was, as you say, this kind of highlights reel of films and, and it incorporated the sequels eventually, which obviously also was the inspiration partly for Galaxy's Edge. I, they talked a little bit, didn't they, about their early visions for what Galaxy's Edge might be and how they were thinking of all these iconic Star Wars locations and then were told by Bob Iger that, oh, no, wait, you need to you need to take advantage of these new movies that are going to be coming out. Yeah, and then they ended up in a situation no where they were like, oh, okay, uh, uh, can we see a script or something? And every time they asked, they were told like, no. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> there's, there's still no script. And I'm like, as someone who has watched these movies, especially the last one, I can absolutely yeah. believe that they got to points where you would expect there to have been a script and there still wasn't a script. Yeah, I, uh, I very much... I. There's a spit in it where they talk about uh, being on a call with J.J. Abrams and he's oh, yeah. just showing them his phone. I I very much have this image of them being on a Zoom call with J.J. Abrams or whatever was, you know, Skype, I guess, at the time. And he's just got his phone up next to his face, like <laughs> flicking through images going, can you see that? Can you see this one? And, like zooming in on his phone, like that's going to help in any way. Yeah. And everyone's just like, yeah, yeah, thanks, J.J. That, yeah, that I mean- looks great. <laughs> I mean, the impression I get of episode nine is that they were kind of writing it as they went and so I wouldn't be surprised if there were moments on set where they were like 
what's the next scene? What what are we, what are we filming now? And yeah, I don't know. JJ Abrams just wrote some dialogue in the notes app of his phone. It was just I don't know. Say this. Yeah, just, just say this stuff. Out. Just cut, cut it together later. The film's out in three yeah. months. You you hold on to the phone and say it, and we'll just put a Star Wars data pad in your hand later on in post. It'll be fine. Yeah, uh, I don't know if people can hear in the background. Theo the cat is here. He is he he is here. He's making his first appearance on the Park Rush oh. podcast. Can you hear it's him? About anyone? time. I can hear him. Yeah, he's right here. He's right here behind me. He's kind of proper co-host territory right now. Yeah, I'm not sure what he wants. He's uh, he's been Just ill for a few days, me. so we've um. Been going easy on the food intake today. Uh, I think he seems back to his old self. He's been wolfing down chicken like you've never seen. Oh, but uh, maybe. maybe he's still hungry, or maybe he does just want company, or maybe he's got something yeah. to say to the podcast. He, Theo, Theo does have. He is the proud owner of some theme park merch. Some of his oh. bowls are from the theme parks of the world. Beautiful. You love to see it. Yeah, he's got an Aristocats bowl from Disneyland Paris. And uh, I don't know if people are aware there is a bakery uh, near the front of SeaWorld where you can get strawberries and cream. Uh, Okay. And and it comes in a little shamu bowl. It's like a little dish with a in the shape of a or kind of in the shape of a shamu with a tail. Yes. Yeah. uh, Yeah. You can keep them, you know. And we've got about four of them, and they they rotate. They uh, they Theo has a new one every day for his food. That's that's incredible. Uh, you love to see it. Yeah. Although one thing, if anyone's listening from Disney or elsewhere, uh, I do think generally speaking there is a huge bias towards dog stuff when it comes to pet merchandise. And I would love to buy Theo a Disney collar, and I've always struggled to find any dog collars. There are loads of them, but nothing for yeah. cats. So sort Hashtag that out. Cats are pets too. Yeah, exactly. Cats have rights. Cats yep. have rights. Uh, episode four of Behind the Attraction. We won't. We'll maybe save this one for next time when Josh has had a chance mm. to watch it. It was Tower of Terror. Uh, I enjoyed this one as well. Uh, and uh, but again, it kind of exposed a little bit of the. Uh, I don't know if hypocrisy is maybe a bit unfair, but yeah, when they were talking about the reasons why they wanted to retheme the Tower of Terror into Guardians. And it didn't seem like the most creatively pure process. It was basically like the higher-ups told the Imagineers, hey, we need a new thing in California Adventure. By this date, sort something out, please. And what they came to was, well, it can't be a new ride because we don't have enough time or money, so we need to rework something that's already here. What's the easiest thing to do? Uh, Maybe Tower of Terror. Uh, People might get angry, but let's do that. And uh, and they ended up doing Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout, of course. Yeah. Uh, but Joe Rohde was involved in that, which I had no idea. I, yes, and, yeah, uh, yeah. It's one of his final projects, I guess. Yeah. I mean, he basically admits that it was kind of a bit out of his wheelhouse. Like, he said that the things he enjoyed working on as an Imagineer were things that were inspired by nature <laughs> and real what, things. Really? Yeah. Would you believe it? You know, Animal Kingdom is his baby, obviously. And uh, so working on a Guardians of the Galaxy re-theme of Tower of Terror is not something that you would expect him to work on. But uh, no, oh, th- to be fair, you know, they seem I think they've done a pretty bang up job or as good a job as you would have hoped for from re-theming Tower of Terror to Guardians of the Galaxy. And I'd yeah, like to I ride mean, it so at some point. That that version of Tower of Terror is inferior or was inferior in every way to uh, the 
Florida version. It's the same version that's in, or pretty much the same version that's in uh, Disneyland Paris. Um, and it's it's just not as good. Um, so I think re-theming that version of the Twilight Zone uh, makes perfect sense. Um, I wouldn't be fussed if they did that in Paris either, particularly as long as the OG stays, because that is a, it's such a good ride. Like The way it's done is brilliant. Oh yeah, the Florida one has to stay, and it suits that part of the park perfectly as well. Like, yeah, they absolutely need to keep that one. They did mention actually in the in the show that yes, you're right. The California and Paris ones are exactly the same, other than the uh, Paris one is built with concrete, and uh, the California one is built with steel. So there you go. Oh, interesting. Otherwise, exactly the same. Cool. So, yeah, we'll go into more detail about the Tower of Terror episode next time when Josh has had a chance to watch it. And then there's yep. a Space Mountain episode uh, that is available as well. And then as for the rest of the series, I- I'm not quite clear on when those are coming out, whether they're all going to drop in one go again in like a week or if they're going to come out one at a time from now on. We'll wait and see. Who knows? But yeah. I've mostly enjoyed it. There's been some interesting stuff. It's no Imagineering story, I don't think, but it's worth what If you're listening to this podcast... You'll probably yeah. enjoy behind the attraction. Just putting it out there. Yeah. Um, and if you think people, if you want to get other people into behind the attraction stuff, get them to watch behind the attraction, and then that's it. They're in now. This is their. Yeah. Uh, this is the Coke, I guess. Um, and Imagineering story is heroin in the behind the scenes world. Yeah, absolutely. And then Park Rush is the uh, the drug of all drugs. Yes, uh, that's yeah. what you go on to after that. Uh, ketamine, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know what they you know what they call the Park Rush podcast? Regretamine. <laughs> Park Rush, the ketamine of your podcast app. <laughs> wow! Someone write that review for us on iTunes. Yeah. That'd be uh, much appreciated. That's not going to pass as a title for the podcast, is it? That's a what the ketamine of podcasts. <laughs> yeah. I'll give it a go. Why not? That sounds good. <laughs> anyway, Josh, we'd better make a move soon and go and see Space Jam 2. Yeah, I need uh, to get changed. Long awaited, a week, a week delayed by my isolation. Uh, but I can think of no better way to spend my Friday night than seeing a probably bad sequel to a ironic childhood favourite and probably get yeah. pinged again, you know? Seems inevitable. <laughs> Fingers crossed. It's just, it's just the way things are going. But yeah, I'm going to go sort Theo out with some supper. And then get ready to go see Space Jam. In the meantime, everyone, you can, of course, follow us on Twitter at Park Rush Podcast. Email podcast at parkrush.com. Uh, you can find the show notes each week at newhighscore.co.uk. And you sub- can subscribe to Park Rush if you haven't already on your preferred podcasting app. We'll be back next week. Until then, stay safe out there. Goodbye. See ya.